Good afternoon. Welcome to the Snake River Lib. I hope that you're having a wonderful Monday. It's the 22nd of March. We're well into spring, and it's a glorious day. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, um, uh, go ahead and pass it on. I'd love for you to share it and have other people listen to it. Um, in the meantime, we've got work to do. To begin with, uh, we may see something that could very well be the end of the Biden presidency. Not the end of the administration, but the end of Joe Biden sitting as the honorary head of it. Um, I'm not talking about him calling Vice President Harris, President Harris. I'm not talking about him slipping and falling on the stairs, although I, I find it ironic that MSNBC said that conservatives pointing out Biden slipping on the stairs uh, could call attention to people who might want to try to assassinate him. And yet NBC is the home of, is the home network of, that made the gag reel of President Ford as a running joke of being clumsy for doing essentially the same thing, made famous by Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live. No, I'm not talking about anything about that. I'm talking about the fact that um, photos have been released by Henry Cuellar, who's a, a member of the House of Representatives. He's a Democrat from Texas who has been sounding the alarm from day one, since actually before President Biden was inaugurated about the upcoming problem. The media, of course, are still not allowed in these migrant centers. Remember, they used to be called cages here just a year ago. Um, however, photos have been taken, photos have been released. Um, they can't keep it secret anymore. These things are crowded beyond even their their uh, fire marshal rating, occupancy rate. And we're not even talking about COVID, which, of course, they don't care about, really. They talk about it, but they use COVID as a mean, COVID-19, they use it as a means of control. There's, you know, there's, you can't, you see, you can't, uh, uh, when you talk about COVID-19, you can't be taken seriously when you're not being serious on all fronts. And stopping construction of the border wall, letting people overrun the border without testing them proves that you're not serious about stopping the spread. But it gets better. Many of these people who are coming in are being released with no court dates. And they're talking about flying these people up to the Canadian border for processing because they're being overwhelmed. But there's no crisis, according to the White House.
Here's what we do know. In no way can you blame this on President Trump. You can't. You can say, well, there was a pent-up demand. Well, okay, um, I will, I'll give you that. You know, just like, you know, you have water pressure in your pipes, right, in your house. Now, assuming that all your seals are good in your pipes and, and your faucets, water doesn't come out unless you turn it on. President Biden turned the water on. I mean, and he turned it on last year. I mean, it before, you know, actually in, back in the primary debates, before there was a single primary, when he said the border was open, come on in, you're going to have free health care, you're going to have free this, free that, free everything. He and all the other presidential candidates uh, uh, for in the Democratic primary. And so we get to Inauguration Day. They claim to be surprised that all this happened. And so let's back up for a minute, because again, it's not Trump's fault. There's no way it's Trump's fault. What they should have done, had they been serious about doing this the right way, is not on day one, stop construction of the wall and tell everyone we're not going to depart deport anybody for 100 days as soon as he signed those two executive orders assuming the best of intentions which i'm trying to do here It became his problem. Now, on the off chance that it was intentional to flood the border and overwhelm the border and the border patrol and ICE, then make no mistake, this is an invasion. And you want to talk about insurrection? If this was intentional, if if Biden and his handlers knew that this was going to happen, he should be impeached. Because this is an invasion. You know who runs the border, right? Sadly, it's not the U.S. military. You know, one of the few things that the U.S. Constitution charges the federal government with doing, which is securing the border. It's the drug cartels and the smugglers. How many of these children, you know, and we use that term loosely because they're anywhere from children up to, you know, who knows what age they claim to be minors, when they're put into these places. How many of them were unaccompanied when they reached the border? How many of them were sorted out by the smugglers and sent across without their parents on the other side? 
Want further proof uh, that it's not Trump's fault? Martha Raddatz of ABC, in a rare stroke of mainstream media actually committing the act of journalism, interviewed one of these people and asked them if they would have come if Donald Trump was still president. And they said no, because he would not have let them in. And she followed up asking, is it because President Biden won? Yes, because Biden said he was going to give me all this free stuff. Huh. Oops. This very possibly could be the end of Biden at the end of the puppet strings. I'm not sure. I've been predicting it, and we know it's going to happen. Um, but this one they can blame on him. Uh, put Harris in, but will the people believe that Biden was actually over it? I mean, do people believe that Biden's actually running the place? That's the question. Is Dr. Jill going to let her husband be smeared for something when he was not perhaps running the show the whole time? Well, that's an interesting question. What do you think? We're going to take a short break. I'll be right back. See, I told you it was short. First, I want to, again, thank you for listening. Um, appreciate that. Uh, to the Snake River Lib podcast. Here we are. Um, wanted to talk about something very interesting in the New York Times uh, regarding uh, um, vaccines and something that you don't see very often. New York Times pointed out that the federal government under Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed really got it right when it come when it came to uh, getting the vaccine thing going, because while Europe is struggling to to get anyone vaccinated with their single vaccine that they. Um, didn't really put any money behind. The United States is getting hundreds, well, over 100 million people vaccinated uh, thanks to uh, uh, the Trump vaccines uh, by Moderna and Pfizer um, and Johnson Johnson, for that matter, even though technically Johnson Johnson was received its emergency uh, use approval under President Biden. Um but the New York Times admitted that it was the partnership between the federal government under Operation Warp Speed and the pharmaceutical companies and the money that was spent in getting these vaccines into trials and getting them into market that made the difference in how the United States is progressing 
and how we're about to become uh, to have essentially herd immunity. And Europe is at this point going back into lockdown in various countries. There's some conservatives out there, um, you know, complaining about a story of how the, the United States is selling some AstraZeneca um, vaccines that they had on in stock to Mexico and Canada. Um, I wish people wouldn't do that at the time. At the time that the story broke, uh, the AstraZeneca version, which is what they're also using in Europe, had not received emergency use authorization. Uh, and so it was not a factor in the United States vaccination program. And so selling these vaccines that were on hand or lending them, I don't know how you lend vaccines, uh, but lending these vaccines to Mexico and Canada uh, had no detrimental effect on the United States. In fact, I would say provided some goodwill uh, between those countries. And so people really do need to read articles uh, before they just jump on stuff. I've been guilty of that, of course, several times in the past. But I do want to point out that when the New York Times uh, gives any kind of credit where, now, did they give President Trump credit? Or did they Operation Warp Speed? Truthfully, it doesn't even matter because there would have been no Operation Warp, Warp Speed without President Trump. Um, and I doubt that had, had we had a Democrat in at the time that there would have been such a thing done because of the waivers of liability and the cutting of regulations to get those vaccines uh, into the arms of people. I'm not sure that a Democrat would have done that. I'm reasonably certain that there's no way that... Uh, Hillary Clinton would have done that. So just saying. Um, trying to think of what else I can uh, talk about. That's uh, uh, We have accuser number eight against, uh, against uh, Governor Cuomo. Um, I don't even want to talk about the, uh, the cancel culture right now that's you know, these people, um, a lot of people say, well, they're the new McCarthyites. Well, I'm not going to say that simply because, you know, I don't, I, the McCarthyism is grossly misinterpreted, um, referring to Senator Joe McCarthy from Wisconsin. Um, and it's a shame that Republicans use that term as well. What is hilarious is watching, especially in light of the pictures, uh, the photographs that were, have been released, um, everything that the uh, DHS chief said yesterday is just thrown in garbage. Ah, um, let's see here. Ooh, uh, I think they're getting ready to uh, throw out... Uh, uh, the uh, the um, congresswoman from Iowa. I think the Democrats are getting ready to uh, 
to go ahead and move on that, uh, Congresswoman uh, Miller Meeks. Uh, although, can I call her Congresswoman now? Because my understanding is that terms such as woman and, and such like that are no longer, although how do you have the, uh, uh, the Violence Against Women Act if you can't use the term woman? I don't know. Anyway, the uh, I think that the committee, administration committee, is about to say no, that state certification is not valid, and we're going to count these other votes that somebody found in the trunk of the car. That last part was just me. And so it's quite possible that there could be another Democrat sitting in the House of Representatives. We'll have to see. Um, I don't think that's, you know, that's Nancy Pelosi thinking very short term, which she always does. I mean, that's what cost her the House of Representatives in 2010 was was you know getting health care done by the way 2010 or 2009 was was a great opportunity for the democrats to do immigration reform when they had a a filibuster proof majority in the senate and a super majority in the house i don't know why they didn't do it then well i do know why but anyway i'm going to spend the last few minutes I want to talk about something that's been on my mind lately. And as I was working on my on my uh, core concentration or my concentration exams for my master's, um, this thing came across, and it's come across several times uh, in my in my view. Um, it's the concept of the third party, and I think that. And when I say I'm not referring to political party, I'm just uh, uh, referring to uh, third party involvement. And I think that one of the biggest problems that we have in this country is third-party involvement. Um, whether and and it's in all sorts of things. For example, your your very basic health insurance. Do you have health insurance? Well, the health insurer is the third party. Okay. Um, you don't. Do you know how much an office visit actually costs? For me, I can tell you how much an office visit costs me. It's $30 because that's my copay. Unless I go see a specialist. But is that what an office visit actually costs? Well, you can go and look at your explanation of benefits and see that no, actually it costs a lot more than that. Um, but between the insurance company and the doctor and such, that charge gets settled out. There's where our problem is. Is that we have no idea how much anything really costs. You know, it could be health insurance, but car insurance is the same way, right? You know, we, we pay somebody... Uh, you know, so that if we get involved in a wreck, you know, our car gets fixed and somebody else's car gets fixed. You know, I, when I was a manager in the FAA, you know, I ha I carried personal liability insurance. So that if, if uh, somebody tried to sue me as an individual, I would have some protection in the event the FAA decided that what I did was was um, outside of what I was supposed to do, and they decided they weren't going to protect me. You know, we pay these people, 
to to do various things. Insurance is obvious. You know, what, you know, the thing about liability insurance is that once there's a case, you know, you can't say, I'm going to fight it or not, because your insurer is going to decide whether or not, you know, they're going to look at the cost of fighting it, and they're going to look at the cost of settling it. And depending on that, you know, they may end up settling. And then guess what? They settle the case. It doesn't matter whether you were guilty or not. The people are going to infer that you were guilty because you settled. And you had no choice in the matter. But here's where another place where third parties get involved. We have, um, and this is something that really came up in my, my uh, one of my questions. You know, we have um, separation of powers. Although one of the questions I had uh, referred to it not so much separation of powers as separate institutions sharing power. And so you have all sorts of third parties involved when it comes to crafting legislation and crafting regulations. And so you have the legislative branch, which ostensibly makes laws, and you have the executive branch, which ostensibly enforces laws. However, because you have all these regulatory agencies, they end up actually making more law per year than Congress does. Because of authority delegated to them from Congress, once upon a time, depending on the agency. Now, enters the third party. Besides the third party of the agency, now you have additional third parties as you have special interests that come in and they want to be involved with this or with that or the other. And they want to bend the law this way or they want to bend the law that way. And there are all sorts of special interests. One of the ones I mentioned was tea tasters, which, you know, back in, in the olden days, you know, 130, 40 years ago, you know, tea tasting, I suppose, that was a necessary office for imported tea. And, of course, a lot of tea is still imported. Most of it, in fact, is still imported. Um, but President Nixon, back in the early 70s, you know, wanted to show something. And so they they went and they reviewed the budget, and they found this tiny little office insignificant little office because only like eight people involved. And they said, we're going to show that we can cut bureaucracy. And so, so they went after this office. Well, make a long story short, as soon as they started saying, we're going to eliminate this office, you had the, the tea companies start writing letters to Congress about you know, their lobbyists started knocking on congressmen's doors about how, how you know, how important this office was. You had, you had um, the FDA that, that oversaw this office, and agencies are very protective of their turf. And so when they went for this tiny little office that employed eight people nationally, you had Congress you know, pounding on the doors of the White House. You had the FDA pounding on the doors of the White House. 
demanding that they cease and desist. Because of this office, that had more or less been rendered unnecessary. That office, by the way, was uh, finally Congress, after several, Carter tried to do it, um, several attempts to do it, uh, Congress tried to do it several times. Finally, in 1996, um, they were able to do it. I think most of the people in the office were eligible to retire or something probably was the case. And so they just let, they just bought them out. There are always third parties that we don't see that in many ways direct what is happening within our lives and certainly within the government. We all know about lobbyists and such. But there are even lobbyists within the government when it comes to trying to have an effect on policy. You know, you don't write a 2,000-page bill overnight. You have tons of staffers, and those staffers are being contacted by third parties wanting to get their piece of the action. And if it doesn't get put in there, that's all right. Because once the law is passed and signed into, signed, or once the bill is passed and signed into law, it goes to the regulatory agencies. And those same people that maybe couldn't get their way at the statutory level, well, they just start knocking on the agency's door and say, hey, do you got a minute? It's just like I told you the other night about uh, the bill that they had to pass to prevent statutory Medicare cuts as a result of the America Rescue Plan. The government is so complex, the, the United States Code is so convoluted that there's probably no one that fully understands it. and is equipped to speak intelligently about it. And this is a huge drain because of the because of the time that's involved in reading and interpreting and revising regulations to accommodate something that somebody finds when it should have been done when the bill was crafted. There's too many regulations, and those regulations cost you money. You might even say it's theft. It's the Snake River Lib. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday, if not sooner.